grace and peace to all of you who came to celebrate the gift of eternal life that Ron has and also to honor him and the life that he lived for us and with us. Also to all of you family that may be watching online or friends or members, greetings to you also in the same comfort in Christ be yours. Amen. When I do the math, 34% of Ron's life I got to know him. That's, that's a deep privilege for all pastors in the ministry. And it's a gift of grace. It's not uh, anything we earn, and it's not anything that's on us, that, how great we are. We just get to do it. It's the richness of living a, a pastor's life, because you get to sit if there's a trust relationship. And you get to talk about the real stuff. Not the, you know, not the weather or Corvairs only, but the real stuff. And uh, it gives me great comfort and joy to bring you this message of hope and peace for this man. When I think about the last eight, eight years when he was without Barb, I think of how hard it was. You know, they say the man goes first. And you kind of expect that most of the time, but it's not easy for either one left behind when you have a deep, loving relationship. And you're, you're tormented by loneliness, but you're also tormented by um, decisions that you made in regarding to her, her health care. Those kinds of things would sometimes plague Ron with guilt. He thought, maybe I should have made a better decision. Some of you are going through that. Some of you will go through that because the doctor will look at you and say, what do you want to do? And uh, you'll go through feelings of overwhelming responsibility. And then you think, maybe I'd still have my mate if I made a better decision. He had those thoughts. And it wasn't true. And my pastoral advice is always in that situation. Uh, there's a series of decisions that are involved in everybody's passing. Everybody. It could be the decision for you to make a wrong turn in front of a semi. It could be the decision of a doctor to make this prognosis or that one. It could be your decision to sin that brought death into your life. So God is God, and he's watching over all things, and there's no decision we're going to make that's going to usurp his plan. It says in the Bible he gives life, and he takes it from this planet. In Psalm 104, Psalm 139, stop centering on that. I share that though because you're here and he's there and he's at peace now. <laughs> he doesn't need a pastor. He's got Jesus. And uh, you're here and you'll have those and you're, you're mostly, at a funeral of an 84 year old, it's always this way, you're mostly his vintage. <laughs> you're in the last quarter of your life. And I want you to hear God's word for you that he heard and believed for you too. And um, the passage for our meditation is in 1 Peter chapter 1. And uh, it, I actually thought to use this for this sermon text from S Cynthia Scoggins, when a member of our church. Just, we were talking about something totally unrelated. And I said, I, that, that's the passage that, that I think we should meditate on at Ron's funeral, his victory celebration. Just real quickly, another footnote. You know, the older you get, the more footnotes you preach with. <laughs> um, you may look around and go, man, there's just, you know, I wish there were more people here. Well, the truth is, most of the people that would be here are there with Ron. 
And that's a wonderful thing. He's not shedding any tears, carrying a heavy heart. He's seeing in his soul with their souls. He's seeing all those people that have already gone before him. So that's where they are. They're with him. He's at a bigger celebration. Peter wrote this letter to suffering people. All people suffer. I once heard this from a marriage seminar couple talking about marriages. They said they're suffering under every rooftop, meaning it, suffering knows is not, it does not discriminate. It's not just for the poor and needy. It's for everybody. And uh, so when you think about suffering in a letter in the Bible for suffering, the whole book of First Peter is written for insight and wisdom and comfort and encouragement and salvation for suffering people. First Peter, the whole book. So the opening words are what we're going to look at. Uh, they, they give us two main points that I think are for our benefit on this day when we remember Jesus and Ron. And uh, I have to get my glasses so I can read it off here. Um, it's on the screen. It's on the bulletin. But let me read it to you. These are the opening words to his letter. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all of this, you greatly rejoice. Here's the suffering. Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come. So the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. I want to I briefly connect the suffering of aging and health problems and death to what Peter's talking about when he writes this letter to Christians who are suffering persecution. So the context of the letter is suffering that you and I would call, which is kind of early in life, right? Out in the community and society, the sufferings that people would do as they exploit and hurt each other oftentimes Christians are the target and we know that we we know that by experience but the sufferings that happen in an affluent society like we live in where by our charter as a nation we protect religious liberty are are much uh, ease the suffering is much less throughout our lifetime so that we often are shocked at the suffering that comes as we, our health starts to fail. And we start to have so many more struggles because we expected this American dream, which you, you know, die in your sleep at about 84 and uh, everything else before that was just rosy. It's not. And uh, the suffering is of, of the failings of our body uh, and our health problems are some of the biggest sufferings we go through. Or the loss of a loved one because of health problems like Ron went through. Ron had diabetes. Since he was 46, he had type 1 diabetes. So he was insulin dependent. 
Um, that makes you also very dependent upon very close friends and a spouse who will help take care of you. So it becomes intensely more lonely when your wife goes to glory way before you as you're also wrestling with your own health, trying to keep away from the lows or away from the highs. What I marveled at as being his pastor and his friend was that he did it with such grace. Um, he didn't panic much. He didn't gripe a lot. He didn't yell at me for not getting it right. And yeah, I didn't get it right sometimes. We went to get his vaccination, his first one for COVID, and we celebrated him getting out of the house because this was after his stroke by going to Dairy Queen and eating a blizzard. His sugar went up to 560 after that. <laughs> Sorry. It wasn't the day he died, though. <laughs> Many decisions lead up to our death. Um, he, but he, he, but, and what, how does a man, a sinner, and he knew he was a sinner, how does he do that? Not become like Silas Mourner you know, in the short story, a grumpy, grouchy, selfish old man. It's by the grace of God, it's by the work of God, and it's in this passage, it's by the shielding of God's power. That's what Peter says. He says, when you go through suffering, the biggest issue is that you could lose your faith. The biggest issue is not that you could lose your life. And by the way, a shout out, Teresa Wagner, just raise your hand. She's part of the TAPS program as a volunteer to call. And Barbara and Ron were both involved with this. Barbara was an instigator of this program. In Round Rock, they call elderly people every morning that sign up for this and say, are you alive? Are you awake? You don't answer the phone. They call the next of kin, which in this case would be me. I'm not related to Ron, but in the body of Christ, I'm like his son. So I've got calls from Teresa. I've got calls from the police department. We've co it's, a, it's in cahoots with the Round Rock Police Department. Where was I going with that? Does anybody remember? It had an important part. Of the, oh, shielded by God's power. Um, we had to work as a community to keep Ron with us. And you all know this because you're going through this. You've gone through it with your loved ones. It's not uh, just Ron. But it's not the biggest battle, I'm telling you as a pastor. The biggest battle is to keep us in the faith. You don't just suddenly, uh, as you get older, it, life becomes easy to believe. It actually can get harder, and you can be shocked by that. Peter talks about it in this letter later. He says, don't be shocked by the suffering. But you can get so shocked by it, and you can get so self-indulgent, gripey, complaining, you can lose your faith. And a mark of faith in the salvation of God is having hope and love and humility and honesty and, and caring for the people that care for you. I'm not saying being perfect. I'm just saying it's a mark of someone who's in the faith. In medieval times, uh, they were maybe wiser than us. Sometimes we think of medieval as the dark ages. They, they drew, the, here's a drawing. They would draw drawings about death and dying. And this is a drawing of a death of an unbeliever. And this is a drawing of a death of a Christian. The, there's, there's family around the bed of this dying person. 
But in front of the family are all these little gremlins and demons. I should have put it on the screen. I was late to this party on this drawing, so I'm going to keep it here so you can see it afterwards. But um, all these little demons, and there's one with a signboard with a list of the sins of the person. And there's one with a knife and a stone, and they're going after his what? His soul. And the other picture, though, the same family, same dying person, all the demons are slain on the ground. And in the picture over here, there's Jesus on the cross. Because somebody in the family said, Jesus died for you. Your sins are gone. Don't worry about the guilt you're feeling. One of the tragedies and maybe joys of aging and living alone and being retired is that you get to review your whole life. And sometimes that can be really scary when you know you're facing the judge. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is your lighthouse through the rocks of sin. You see where I'm going? God shielded Ron by his power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is why ministry to the death and dying is so important. In all of your lives, make sure your church and you as God's church are making sure that we're ministering to the death and dying to give us the gospel. And if it's me, no matter how grouchy I get, you bring that gospel to my side and you get past those demons because we are shielded by God's power in his love in the cross of Jesus Christ. And Ron knew that and understood that and he cherished it. He had insomnia, so he would stay up late at night. Um, and he would watch. You know, what a lot of people, some people said, my dad said nothing good happens after midnight. One pastor said, no, it's nine o'clock. <laughs> um, Ron would stay up till two, three in the morning, but not doing foolish things, but listening to these gospel songs and, or, or presentations, kind of, you'd call them podcasts of Christian teaching and preaching, going back over our own church's stuff. Uh, I knew because he'd tell us about little things because he was an engineering type mind, little things about our sound and our, our presentation on the screen. And he read our daily prayers. I know because he corrected my commas and my capitalization and my punctuation, but he was reading them. He had meditations, that devotional book. He read it all the time. When he had a stroke in February, uh, I was busy being family. I told him, sometimes I'm so busy being your, your son, I, I forget that I'm your pastor. He said, will you bring me my devotional books? <laughs> I'm his pastor, but I'm making sure he's, you know, taken care of at the hospital. He wanted that at his side because it shielded him from losing his faith in Christ, in heaven. And Peter said, that's what he was seeing in the suffering people, and he was guiding them toward it. The second thing that's in these passages is he said, your faith is in God who promises an inheritance that is to come. There's two parts to that. It's an inheritance, not a wage. You don't earn it. It's a gift. It comes out of the blue of heaven, right? Nobody earns it. God gives it to you by, you, know, you may know uh, Romans 6, 23. The wages, the earning of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And families go way awry when the kids or others start to expect inheritance. Because an inheritance is a what? 
It's a gift granted by the testator that gives it. Jesus granted you and me grace and forgiveness through, through what he did on the cross. And, and it's all a gift. It's an inheritance. But what is it? Remember right the night before he died what it is? I'm going past death. I'm going to die and rise again. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. A place for you. As human beings, we are forever trying to build a place on this planet. Yeah, we all are. One of the hardest things is for you to leave the home of 30 years to go to the last place or a new place, right? Ron left a home to go to, he's gotten three homes while I was his pastor. One of those human beings, we were trying to make a place for ourselves, right? But the last place is not on earth. It's not one you'll buy or build. It's the one Jesus built and bought with his own blood. And he went, he went there to prepare a place for us. And what we do, because we're so human, is we say, what will it be like? That gifted place. For me, will it have cows? Right? Someone for Ron's. Would it have Corvairs? Right? Well, he asked questions like that. What do you think it'll be like? I hate that question because... Pastors don't know much more about heaven than anybody else. We're not, we haven't been there. We know just what the Bible says. What's more important, there will be lots of things, creation in heaven. But what's more important, and it will be more important to you, you know this, are the people. God, who saved humanity, is saving the people that you love, that loved him that believed in him. And it's okay, even though you won't be married in heaven, to look forward to seeing your spouse that you had on earth. If you were great friends on earth, you're going to be better friends in heaven. Look for your mom. I got the privilege, it is a minister to Gertrude, Ron's mom. To see uh, the ones that you've always wanted to talk to, right? The apostles, the prophets. Jesus himself. The inheritance is the people without any struggles with them, with no distrust, with no sarcasm, with no tears, no mourning. And Pastor uh, Herring read it a minute ago from Revelation heaven. No more crying or pain or sorrow or death. No more frustrations, no more, I don't get it, Pastor. Right? The inheritance in heaven is bliss and everything is peaceful and made right by God. There are glimpses of it in the last chapters of Isaiah and the book of Revelation and a few other places. And it's an inheritance. Um, there, everyone... I've ever ministered to seems to have to be like the number one on a list of things in one area. And Ron's will go down in, will go down in history in my life and mine as the oldest person I've ever ministered to that received an inheritance. In the last year, he received an inheritance at 84. 84 year olds give their inheritance, but he received one from a cousin who's one of the many heirs, right? 
That's amazing. But guess what? He had to let it go. He didn't take it with him, did he? Peter said, you have an inheritance in this passage as a Christian that never spoils or fades and is never taken away. It's the only true inheritance that you have. So before you go, oh man, I hope I can be the one at 84 to get inheritance, you missed the point. <laughs> it's nothing. It's gone. You and your soul are now in eternal. That's your inheritance. It's yours. It's not just Ron's. It's kept safe for you, Peter said. God shields you by the power of his gospel, but he's keeping that safe for you, and no one can take it away. I know as retirees, sometimes when you go from like seemingly uh, the ability to keep increasing earnings to a limited income as inflation goes up, that you can get anxious and scared and nervous. Because why? The, in, the, the place and the inheritance that I've set for myself on earth can be taken away, right? And then you can let demons come in and say, what a fool, you should have planned better. Enough of that! This is the inheritance as a gift from God that can never fade away. Stop living so worldly-minded. When you come to the funeral of a dear Christian friend and rejoice that he is now in glory, that's your glory. That's yours. That's mine through grace, through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm almost done. Family Bible, it was Gertrude House. That's Ron's mother's. And... Uh, it's, it had a label on the front that said Mom's Bible. That was cool. And it said lots of stuff in here. Um, there's a Bible and there's about 20 notes. but I think it's a lot, but there's a lot of stuff in there. But there's, there's a couple things. One is that it's, it's a, a hymn, a nighttime hymn, that I have a special affection for because this is what we sang to our children at nighttime when we put them to bed. It's ironically, same hymn. I bet many of you have sung it at your home, not just church. It's an evening hymn, Now the Light Has Gone Away. And it has some beautiful, simple verses. But Gertrude must have, and Ron must have, tucked it away in the Bible because it was an important personal devotional thing, like a man sitting up till 3 a.m. watching gospel songs, right, till he can fall asleep. And uh, I, I want to um, read it to you, even though you may be very familiar, and I want you to think about the, the nighttime of life has passed for our brother on earth. But listen carefully to the last verse. First verse, now the light has gone away. Father, listen while I pray, asking thee to watch and keep and to send me quiet sleep. Jesus, Savior, wash away all that has been wrong today. Help me every day to be good and gentle, more like thee. Let my, here's the third verse. Let my near and dear ones be always near and dear to thee. Oh, bring me and all I love to thy happy home above. That was his prayer. 
And Jesus said yes. Took him home. Did you ever get an email from Ron in the last five years? The tag at the bottom of the email shows how much he loved people and that he loves you. And I want you to hear it because I think what he's doing is telling you and me by his tagline how he wants us to learn to love each other. This is, I, it's, it's in quotes, but he didn't put ever who wrote it. Souls do not age like the body surrounding them. They awaken every morning like a newborn looking for food, rest, and attention. God loves to feed, quiet, and coddle the soul of his children. Isn't that beautiful? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the inheritance that we have that can never spoil or fade. Thank you for keeping Ron safe in your faith. Thank you for the life and love and example that he was. And thank you for giving us grace to cover the ways that he wasn't. And uh, tell him hello for us. Tell him how much we love him. And then help us by your Holy Spirit to be friends to one another, to be helpers and, and to grow old together like Ron did uh, as people who are encouraging and loving and helpful all in the name of you, Jesus, in your precious holy name. Amen.